0: For those of y'all that love Westerns, you, you remember just by seeing the title on the screen, there's really three categories that we can find ourselves in, right? The good, the bad, and... Did somebody say you're ugly? Um, that is rude. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today, I want to talk about the good. But to really get to the good, we have to go through something. Um, think of it in terms of this. If your car is dirty and you're filling up your gas tank, when you walk up to the screen and you push in your code, it always asks you the same question. Would you like a car wash? And if you're like me, you're like, well, I'm lazy, so yes, I'm going to drive through that and not do anything. Boop. You drive around. Your car is ugly. It's dirty. And you drive through, and the guy at the end washes away, and he gives you the nod to leave. And you drive away and you feel good. I think that sometimes we believe that we've got to find our own good before God can change us. And so we have to clean ourselves up before God will accept us. Maybe perhaps that's why he was born in a manger. Because we couldn't be any worse than that. Maybe it's because he was wounded so deeply for our sins. Uh, Scripture says almost unrecognizable as a human maybe that's why so that we would be with that excuse of our stripes and our scars maybe because he was put in a borrowed tomb so that we couldn't say it was about our wealth or what we've got in life as we've gotten older I mean we, we give God all of these things like I will serve God once I retire because I believe that I'm gonna have to earn up as much as I can before I can say yes to him Or, well, you don't know my story. Have you ever heard anybody tell you this? You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know where I grew up. We have a long list of how we should be good before God can take us. And none of that list God has. If anything, he positions himself in the life of Jesus in a way that we would rid ourselves of any excuses why we couldn't have fellowship with God. He even takes away how good you can become. Because remember, Paul, and all of his greatness, he says, I can't even become good enough. All of my best is like filthy rags compared to the riches of the glory of God. So even your good after a relationship with Jesus is not good enough. It doesn't add up enough. You can't be good enough. It's an impossibility. So how do we find ourselves in this good moment? Well, let's look at the text together. We started last week in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we read a couple of verses. The first was, this is a trustworthy saying, tell it to everyone. And then it says, for if we have died with him, we'll also live with him. And then today we're going to do verse 12. If we endure, the scripture says, we will also reign with him. I want to stop there. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So here's your first fill in the blank. If we endure, we will also reign. Reign with him. I want us to focus on this good part because there's a bad to come and an ugly to come, but let's stay in the good today. Verse 12 says that if we will endure, we will also reign with him. So I want to start with reigning with him and talk to you about what that really means before we get to the first part. To reign with Christ means that we get to be a piece of what he created. He's going to prepare a place for us in his house there's many rooms if we're not so we would have told us but he's coming back that we may be where he is already at remember he tells his disciples that Amen. remember what they asked next how can we know the way and then Jesus gives the line I am what? the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me Amen. so we get this that to reign with Jesus means to be a part of his kingdom remember John 3 16 it says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, or only begotten, right? That's how I memorize that. That's the King James Colinthians coming out in me. Like that's how I memorize scripture. Only begotten son. But then it changes in scripture when it says that you and I are called to be sons and daughters of God. Because of Jesus, he made a way for you and I to become sons and daughters of God. Co-heirs is what he says. To reign with Christ means that you belong to Christ. He makes a way for you and I to have a relationship with God the Father that's different than any other religion on the planet. Because we are not given over simply to be subservient, although we are slaves to God. We are to be completely into what He calls us to do, but also we are called sons and daughters. Jesus made a way. So to reign with Him means you must belong to him and then you can be with him you have to belong at some point I was reminded of this the other day um, I'm a Facebook person which means if you're talking to the students uh, I'm old uh, because they're on Instagram and all this stuff I don't even have, I don't know what to do with Instagram right I still tweet right y'all are like what anyways um, but One of the things I follow is all my old classmates that still live in my hometown of Sundown. And in Sundown, they'll post every week about the football team or the band or something like that. And I watch every week to see the score of the game because it matters so deeply to my life, right? But I watch every week to see what's going to come up because I belong to Sundown. Woo! I am a roughneck. No? Okay, um... But see, we all have these belonging moments in life, right? Like, y- y'all, let's test this out. Do I have any Tascosa rebels in the house? See, y'all up there thought y'all were alone, right? Did y'all just notice the crowd? What about Sandys? Do I have any Sandys in the room? <laughs> Sandys? You, you're not a Sandy. Anyways, <laughs> Sandys whistle evidently. Uh, I mean, we could keep going down the list, right? But we all belong to something. We all at one point found ourselves as a fan of something. And we belonged. I've told you all my story. Man, my junior year, I got my senior ring. Awarded around proudly. I was going to graduate a roughneck. And then we moved. And I graduated a Bronco in Odessa. Thank you for that. Hey, there's a, thank you. Odessa Bronco. I grew up my whole life cheering for M-O-J-O-M-O-1. Okay, anyways, that's how I grew up. And then I graduated from the other school. In fact, this week at Permian, on the sign out in front of the school, it said Permian versus the other school in town. That's what it said on the sign. It was brilliant. But I graduated at that school. I married a girl that went to Permian. Our house is divided, pray for us. (laughs) But we belong. Then some of y'all kept going. Do I have any WT Buffs in the house? See? Now, I want to test something, because I just, do I have any A&M Aggies in the house? Yeah, see, they don't go to church. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, but that was good. Um, I, I just got to say, we all belong. And, and then we can keep just going down the list of things that we've belonged to, that have won our hearts over, that when we watch them on TV or we hear something in the news, we go, yes until it doesn't go our way and then we go i don't know them right we have that kind of peter and scripture moment i no, i did not attend there i mean i took extension classes but you know <laughs> we all have this belonging the thing is our praise for our belongings really show our hearts they always show our hearts our real belongings always show our hearts So what we cheer for the most in our lives will show where our real hearts are. So the question is, in that measurement, would we say we belong to Jesus? If that's the true measure of who we are, if he really is the only thing that can save us, if he really is the lover of our soul and the captivator of our lives, does anybody know about it? Like if you walked into my office right now, I'm going to cheat because I'm the pastor. I've got my Bibles out. I've got a devotional. So you can come in and go, oh, our pastor reads the Bible. That's so amazing. You go into my library of books that I've read and go, oh, our pastor reads on how to lead, how to teach, how to preach. Good man. But you would also see some other things like Dallas Cowboy stuff. You go, oh. We need to pray for our pastor. (laughs) You'd see golf stuff and you'd go, oh, he's a golfer too? Huh. He loves golf and he reached for the Cowboys? (laughs) Poor man. You see, you would see all my fandom rise up. You would hear it in what we would talk about. The question is this in this early church moment as timothy and this church is moving around and they're seeing the expansion of the kingdom of god and they're seeing what god can do who knew what was about to happen as they began to share the gospel and as they began to grow persecution rolled in you see in everything they did they began to take care of one another and love one another and as they did that people would seep their way in with false teaching they would find their way in and hurt these people at these house churches when they would gather they would gather sometimes even you're going to find us crazy even though they were persecuted they would sometimes meet even at the temple to worship you start to go these people are crazy it's like a suicide mission but see when the gospel captivates us it cannot stay internal These walls are too weak to keep the gospel hidden. They just can't sustain it. When it gets all over us, it has to leave with us. It can't stay here. It's an impossibility. So when Paul's writing Timothy, he's trying to encourage them not to stop. But listen, we're not leaving today and outside, there's not a group of law enforcement officers ready to arrest you or kill you. But it was with Timothy. When they met, they met at the very cost of their lives, they they were persecuted for even gathering. I was reminded of this. Uh, our Saint Jack group um, just went to Washington. Our eighth graders, they're they're back. What's up, y'all? And while they were there, they prayed outside at Washington, our capital. They prayed just right there in front of everybody. You know what didn't happen? They weren't arrested. If anything, what I saw is they were applauded. Pictures were taken. We don't understand yet, but we will, I believe, understand a day where when our faith is put on the line, we will either have to stand or run. My prayer is this, that we start to get the courage now to stand. When Paul writes Timothy, he's writing to a man leading a church that is in trouble. When they gather, they're not gathering with a pat on the back. They're gathering at their own consent to die. And so when they read the words of Jesus that says something like, take up your cross and follow me, that's what they're doing. They're gathering at the cost of their very lives, the cost of their children's lives, their wives, their husbands, their neighbors, their friends. Evangelism costs them everything. Everything. It costs them their very soul, lives, not their souls, their very lives, their blood. It costs them. See, evangelism in our day, sharing your faith in our day, costs us cool points. I Man, if I share my faith, what if they uh, don't like me? What if they laugh at me? This is why he says the very first thing first. If we endure if we endure so let me go through what this means endure means to suffer now this may sound like a terrible start to a a sermon but let me just tell you we have got to learn that it's worth suffering for christ if the gospel is going to continue if we're gonna see God reach our neighborhoods, if we're gonna see God reach our friends, if we're gonna see God reach our coworkers, we must find a way to suffer for the sake of the gospel. It's gotta be okay with us that people don't like us for the sake of the gospel. But see, we have this weird version of Christianity that says they have to like us, they have to like us, or the gospel's not gonna work. That's so untrue. Let the gospel do what the gospel does. Let the gospel do the preaching. Just be the mouthpiece for it. Let me tell you the the worst thing that's not in Scripture. Uh, Have you ever heard this this, uh, quote, share the gospel, use words if necessary? Have you ever heard that? That's not scriptural. In fact, just opposite. It says, how can they hear unless someone teaches them? We have got to say the gospel. It is the saving thing for people. And we must endure through our own hypocritical stance that says this. They've got to like me or they won't like Jesus. Believe me, I like Jesus. I don't like most Christians. And neither will they. Let's be honest. We love Jesus. But Christians are weird. Like they say, oh, Jesus... All to you I surrender. And then they're like, well, except for, you know, what I do over here. This is mine. Or they say things like this. Jesus, I want you to lead my life. And then they go, but I'm going to make this decision on my own. Do you see it yet? This is why the world can't get it. They're waiting for us to show up, but no one's teaching them anything. No one's telling them that Jesus is the way. No one's teaching them that Jesus loves them so much he died for them. No one's teaching them that Jesus felt everything that we feel and didn't sin. No one's teaching and we're just hoping they catch it by how good we are. Your goodness doesn't save. Jesus' blood saves. Let's not find ourselves uniquely just hoping to endure for the sake of cool. Let's endure through suffering for the sake of the gospel. Let's be bold in our approach with it. Let's let it be known. Matthew 5, 11 through 12 says this, You are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Even Jesus gets this, that when you and I start to show up and when we start to tell people about Jesus, they're not going to like you. They're not. Here's the way it happens. Either they have this moment where the Holy Spirit is just saturating their heart and they give their life to Christ, or they will hate you. But that's not on you. Jesus says, listen, they hated me. But don't take it personally. They just rejected me, not you. We have to endure. We have to keep going because if we care about people, if we deeply care about people, Jesus is what they need, not more of us. Charles Spurgeon says this, we must imagine or not imagine that we are suffering for Christ and with Christ if we're not in Christ. You see it we must not imagine we are suffering for Christ and with Christ if we're not in Christ you ever heard anybody say this our Christians are just getting persecuted today I mean man people just are not for the good old gospel you know what they haven't heard the gospel I'm reminded of something I saw this video this week of this group of students that were talking about um sanctity of life there's a whole other group over here with posters and they're talking about abortion and the rights of women and and they're at odds in this kind of area and all of a sudden this one woman walks over and she just like knocks this woman down pushes her around kicks stuff out of her hand pulls her backpack you know it's just throwing her around and walks off like so what so what And all of us, and man, when I first saw it, I was like, how dare people act like that? I mean, who acts like that? That's barbaric. Anybody outside of the will of God. Why should we expect any moral code outside of the will of God? They can't act like God, they don't have Him. They can't have peace, they can't have self control, they can't have joy, they can't have love. None of these things can they have outside of God. We should not expect a lost world to act like a holy God. But we should ask Christians to. We should ask Christians to act like Jesus. And inside of this world, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you should ask people to hold you accountable to it. You should have people in your life that are questioning your walk every day because it makes a difference when you go to share the gospel. That there's something in you need that's clean and ready. I, I'm just convinced of this. That we self-inflict ourselves as Christians more than any other group. We love to point out the fact that there's somebody way over there acting like a fool when inside we're not dealing with us. But this is how it works. Self-inflicted suffering is a self-seeking reward. But God-focused suffering has an eternal value. We just learned that from the verse. Be glad and rejoice because great is your reward in heaven, but we must endure. Second Corinthians 4, 16 says this, Therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is is eternal we don't focus on this momentary hurt this momentary inconvenience the gospel is too great we must endure because we have a place we have a place that we will reign with Christ forever but because that right now we have a purpose you are not saved for just eternity you are saved so that others might see Jesus we are but a match that is lit for a season. If you've ever lit a match and held it up, you realize something that happens. It lights up the room for a moment, but then what happens? It burns out. But see, Jesus is something that never burns out. He is eternal. He is good. And he burns so brightly. And he's asking you in your time on this planet Earth, when we catch the fire of Jesus, to burn brightly for all those around So that they will see Jesus. But don't just show them. Teach them. Teach them the gospel. Show it to them. Be persistent in it. It matters. It matters. The last is this. There are these three men back in the day. Um, Whole society was kind of shifted at that time. It, It began to all act the same. And these three men stood against it. They were brought before the leader of that time. And he, he said to them, listen, guys, I really like y'all. I mean, y'all are, y'all are some of the best people around. But I'm asking you to conform. I'm asking you to do what I ask you to do. And if you'll do it, man, you're the best. We'll celebrate. But if you don't conform, I'm going to have to kill you three men we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were asked to worship a foreign idol, this massive thing that the king had made in his own image. Everybody else in society at that time, everybody that worked around, everybody in the region, they played this horn and they all bowed down except for these three guys. You know, it has to be awkward. Whole area of people kneeling and bowing except for three guys standing going, no, no. No, not going to happen. They're brought before the king. He tells them, if y'all don't bow, I'm going to give you another shot because I like y'all. I mean, y'all are making me look like a fool out there, but <laughs> I like y'all. So bow. Bow at this time. That would be really helpful to all of us. But if not, there's a furnace there, and I'm going to have to throw y'all in it. And they say these words to him. If the God we serve exists... Then he can rescue us from the furnace of a blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. Listen to what it says next. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue you set up. Do you know what they don't say in that sentence? Maybe you've missed it. I, I know I have in the past. It says this. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us. He can rescue us from even you. But if he doesn't rescue us, you know what they didn't say? If he doesn't exist. Because they knew he did. You know the story. They don't bow. The king sets the fire to even more. I mean, it's hot. It's hot. Super hot. They throw the men in. They shut the door. It says it was so hot that the guys that threw them in died. But all of a sudden they look in and the king looks in and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. wait up. Didn't we throw three guys in there? And they're like, uh, yeah. He said, well, there's four. And one of them looks like something from heaven. Right? And he looks in and he goes, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. And it says they walk out, and their clothes aren't even singed. They don't even smell like fire. They walk out, and that day they changed history because they believed their God existed even when they were surrounded by people that said no. We must endure. We must endure. You know why? Because there's a world around you that is waiting for you to burn. And you must say this. Even if God doesn't rescue me from my inconvenience, even if he doesn't rescue me from my infirmities, even if he doesn't rescue me from this, he is still God and he is still good no matter what y'all say. God is good. So we all need these what even if moments in life. What's your even if? What's your enduring moment today that you need to pray and say, God, I'm just gonna trust you to lead me through. And I'm going to endure because I know because my faith is in you, there is a future day where I will be in heaven with you. But until that day comes, I will endure because you are that good, your name is that great, and I follow a great God. Endure, church. Endure. 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 Because he's worth it. Because he's great. Because he died for you. Because he loves you. Because he'll preserve you. Because he endured for us. He endured the cross for us we are called to endure keep going go share him live him out and use your words because he is good and he can change our lives and he wants to change the lives around us let's pray father god lord show us today how we can endure lord teach us today lord that you are great. Show us your might, God. Remind us that you endured on our behalf. Lord, show us how to endure. Father God, I pray that in this room, if there's someone that doesn't know you today as Savior and Lord, they've heard about the greatness of a Jesus who would die for them. They heard that He endured the cross for them. And Lord, that you love them. Lord, today, if they don't know you in their life, if they've never made you the Savior and Lord of their life, if they never repented from the old way and chosen a new way in you, that today would be their day. So Lord, I pray that you would speak over this room. You always do. Lord, lead us to be people who endure. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? Now is the time to come to the altar. Remember we said this is a place where you lay the former down and you slay it and you leave it. And you take up a new with you as you leave. Do not leave without doing business with God today.